Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for more stories and music with Rachel Naomi Remen and Karen Drucker. Welcome, everyone. Greetings at late autumn. For those of you in the Northern Hemisphere, I guess, I am Kira Epstein, the co-director at the New School at Commonweal. Thank you for joining us. We are here today with Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen and with Karen Drucker to reflect on gratitude. We've been doing these hour-long stories and music events with Rachel and Karen for a year now. In fact, we started last Thanksgiving, and you can watch or listen to all of the recordings. Each one is special and beautiful, coming directly from the heart. For anyone who may be new to the new school at Commonweal, we are a nonprofit program that presents conversations and performances with inspirational artists, scientists, activists, and doctors, among many others focused on the areas of nature, culture, and inner life. We've been offering programs for more than 15 years now, and when we started, we were in one of the very first waves in the podcast world, and by now we have about 400 conversation recordings. You can find all of them on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or on our website, TNS. Dot commonweal.org. The recordings will be posted on our Facebook sites, the New School website, and our other media channels. And you can find Rachel and Karen on Facebook as well and look for the links there. Most of you already know our guests. Rachel is co-founder and current medical director for the Commonweal Cancer Help Program, and she's joined us many times at the New School. A couple of months ago, she was at Commonweal for an incredible conversation with U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy. That is just an amazing conversation, and if you haven't watched it or heard it, uh, find it on any of our media sites. It's a great conversation. Karen Drucker is a keynote speaker, women's retreat facilitator, songwriter, and entertainer who's recorded 22 CDs. Karen's music is uplifting and heartfelt, and we're just really honored to have her doing this series with us. Finally, a big thank you and a welcome to you for joining us today. It's wonderful to have you with us. Okay, I think we're ready, Karen and Rachel, and all of you watching live or later, thank you for joining us at the New School of Commonweal. Over to you, Rachel and Karen. Thank you, Kira. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Karen. You look like you are um, in a very different environment. <laughs> I am in a totally different environment. I am very blessed because I am at Ken's house where um, he's been doing all of our stuff for this whole year. And now I'm actually in his studio, as you can see, guitars and everything. Actually, I'm going to move in. I love this place so much. <laughs> Now, I am here because um, I got a notice from PG&E just the other day saying, oh, by the way, you have nothing else going on during the week, but on Tuesday, we're turning off the power to your whole area from nine to five. So I had to find another place to go, and here I am. But this is what we're talking about, Rachel, are all those things that we take for granted that when they're not there, 
<laughs> and one of them has to do with your electricity. I mean, have you ever had that where your power goes out and then, you know, you just walk into a room, you know, you turn the light on, you think nothing of it. But then when you have a blackout, when there's no electricity, you're going, I need my electricity. So hopefully the electricity will be on by the time I come home. But um, <laughs> I am grateful for technology that I have my whole little setup here that Ken helped me with that I'm able to be with you today. So I'm grateful for Ken. <laughs> I'm very grateful for Ken and Kira. We bow down. We and the equipment. Do, and the equipment and all this. Ah, so today is about gratitude. And I just, you know, before we start, Rachel, I'm just grateful for you. Gotta say, just this doing these conversations with you and every time we get on the phone and we talk about what we're gonna speak about, they're so fascinating to me, what we all what we talk about and it's fun. It's just really fun to be with you. It's fun to be with you. <laughs> this is an experiment because I think we've actually talked about this before. But I think we're doing it in a different way this I year. Bet, I bet we don't say the same thing. <laughs> I bet I bet that's true, which is what our whole relationship is like. It's just And I think people should know that this isn't scripted. We just sort of hang out with you and we hang out each other for an hour and yeah. it should be turning out all right. <laughs> So it does. It's really fun. So, well, why don't I start off with a little song then for us, just to get us in the get us in the gratitude mood. And I'm looking at all these. I love how these people are coming from all over the place, from Cincinnati and Minnesota, and it's great. Thank you all so much. We are grateful that you are here. So let me start off with a song. But I found this quote this morning that I just thought is so perfect from Leonard Bernstein, who said, "This will be my reply to violence." to make music more intensely, more beautifully, more devotedly than ever before, oh, you know? And I just feel like I'm just so grateful for music in my life and how it helps me get through challenging times, which we are definitely in. But here is a little, little song now. I want you to sing along with me at home, okay? I don't care if anyone's in the other room, just, just sing. Let yourself sing. It goes like this. Let me teach you. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. That's the whole thing. Sing with me now. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. Do that again. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. Is that the truth? Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. Here's the second part. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. So I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. 
so blessed. I am 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 blessed. So blessed. Let's go back to the beginning. Sometimes I need more to stand wherever I am to be blessed. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. Sing it again. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be just thinking as we were chanting the difference between a chant and a song and I had never known that until I met you the chanting is a very very old way to change consciousness it is and it is the thing that's sort of wonderful about it you can do it very simply in groups whole groups of people you know yeah and the thing about a chant it has to be really simple Something like that, you know, just that you can hear it once and you get it. And that's what allows you to close your eyes and just drop down into your soul when it's a song and you're thinking about what's the next line and it's there's like all this, compli- you know, you stay up here. It's more complicated, but when it's a chant and it's easy. So that's all I'm going to be doing today is all my gratitude chants for you. Oh, you know? great. <laughs> yeah, all my gratitude chants. So that was one of my favorite ones. That's a new one, but... You know, I just want you all to sing along. And the thing about what we're talking about today, Rachel, is really what are practices? You know, what are things that can bring you back when you lose track, when you get triggered, when you're not in gratitude? What are the things that can bring you back? It's like a meditation. Gratitude is a practice. It's a muscle. And and I think chanting, doing a song that you just sing, that you're chanting this thing over and over, it can have a state change. You can come back to center. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to do it out loud. No. Thing that do I'm it in your head. Yeah, then you can do it just in your mind. Yeah. 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 Well, here we, you know, I believe we have talked about gratitude before. Right. I started to worry about that, that we said everything that needs to be said, which is ridiculous. Of course. You know what? But even so, even if we had <laughs> said it before a year ago, yeah, it's so like, yeah. it's a reminder. But I mean, that's the thing. I think it's, this is all a reminder. You could hear the same thing. You could hear the same story or the same song, but it just keeps bringing you back to remembering. Because I think we all forget. You, you said gratitude blindness the other night. You said, we just forget. Gratitude for me is the, the, the thing that I, I rarely see. I have to choose to see it. And then it's everywhere. 
But for some reason or other, and many people are like this, gratitude's invisible. Yeah. And I think that's something we need to remember, that there are so many things going around on around us and so many things that belong to us that if we focus our attention for them, even for a minute, we're filled with gratitude for them. But we never do focus our attention in that way or rarely focus our attention in that way unless for some reason they're taken away from us. And yes. Yeah. Yes. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah, and we don't want to get to the place where you have some major health challenge that all of a sudden you realize how precious life is and how miraculous your body is, how it works. But that's a lot of times how we do it. And how wonderful it is to have a cup of tea and the cup has a flower on it. How mm. yeah. 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 You even I talked about that. how yeah. just finding a paper clip, you know, when you're looking for a paper clip, all of a sudden something as little as that. It's like, oh, I'm grateful I found this. And not just that, but I have hundreds of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the time you need it, it's not there. <laughs> So I thought maybe I would uh, start with a story, and I think I probably told this story before, but doesn't matter. You could say it over and over. You tell the same story twice. It's like stepping into that old saying: you can never step into the same stream twice. And I think the reason that you can never tell the same story twice is that your listener is never the same person. Right. Even if, even if only twenty minutes have gone by. Your listener is not the same person, so it's never the same story. It's true. Yeah. So I um, forgive me, but I, I'm going to need to read this. Um, and it goes like this. One night when I was 14 years old, I went to bed living one life. When I woke up a year later, I was living quite another my chronic illness, Crohn's disease, had declared itself in the night and taken control of my future. I had been hospitalized and in coma for almost a year. My new life was one of physical limitations and emotional distance. My disease controlled my choices and brooked no argument. I was enraged. <laughs> I was young. And surrounded by people um, whose freedom seemed limitless. I hated them all. Over the next few years, I became more and more isolated from these others. When you're young, the world is a physical place. My peers played sports. They hiked. They ran. They bicycled. They traveled to Europe. They danced all night. I could do none of these things. This experience of isolation and profound distance um, presented itself daily in the simplest of ways. My peers drank and ate whatever they pleased. I could eat only five foods, most of them white. Eating anything not on the short list caused me to rapidly go into shock and lose consciousness. It's truly really remarkable how much human connection and relationship occurs in the presence of food. We meet over coffee, over lunch, we celebrate important occasions with dinners and pastries, 
We bring gifts of food to each other. We eat together in restaurants and in homes. My food limitations place me outside of this all. Today, when it's not uncommon for eight of your dinner guests to have special and different food requirements, it's difficult to imagine a world where we all eat the same thing. And a party of six could order in a restaurant a dinner in five minutes without any discussion with the waiter, questions about the components of a dish or requests to modify the food. But this is now, and that was then. Then it was strange and deeply embarrassing to publicly query the waiter in detail about the ingredients of the meal or specify its presentation and its preparation or reveal my very odd food needs. Yet eating the wrong thing could cause me to become a medical emergency. Dining with others became an experience of profound difference. Frequently, I saw people look at each other in embarrassment or sit in silent discomfort when I sent the waiter to the kitchen to talk to the cook to ask for some special consideration. Rather than suffer this embarrassment, I sat through many restaurant meals, eating nothing. Eventually, I stopped eating in public or accepting dinner invitations and ate at home alone. About this time, a friend gave me one of her extra cats. He was a big red five-year-old tomcat called Orange. Uh, I was a city girl, and I had never had a cat before or any other animal. And I was concerned that he could not talk and tell me what his needs were. I told her this, and she dismissed my worries with a laugh. A bowl of water and a can of little, little tuna fish every morning and every night, she told me blithely. Somehow this didn't seem enough. So I added a bowl of kittle, kibble, and, and then a bowl of milk, and then a can of cat chicken to the daily menu. But Orange never ate any of these things. After a few months of throwing away food, I stopped offering all this and just gave him a bowl of water and a can of tuna twice a day. We settled into an easy and familiar routine. Every day when I came home, he would greet me at the door. I put my purse in the closet uh, and go into the kitchen and fill a bowl with fresh water. Then I would open a can of tuna from the pantry, put it in a bowl and set it on the floor and leave the kitchen. I've been doing this for several months before the day when everything changed. I'd come home as usual and prepared Orange's meal and put it on the kitchen floor. But for some reason, at this time, I did not walk away and leave him to his meal. Something stopped me halfway to the kitchen door and I turned and watched. Orange was sitting before, before his bowl of tuna, completely still. His eyes were closed, so softly that I could barely hear him. He was purring. After a few minutes of purring, he fell silent, leaned forward, 
and began to eat his food, the same food that he had eaten twice a day for the past five years. There was a moment of absolute stillness when I looked at the familiar and saw something completely new and different. Both Orange and I ate the same food every day, but I ate it with resentment and he with gratitude. Like most of us, I'd always eaten for taste, for pleasure, for comfort, for connection to others, for celebration. But Orange was a cat. He ate because of hunger. His food, um, um, he, uh, he ate the same food every day. It enabled him to chase the ball I threw for him, to roll in the grass, to sleep in the sun, to connect to the world around him. His food enabled him to grow. It gave him the gift of life. And this same gift had been given to me as well, despite serious illness. I had resented others because they could eat every, anything they wished. I, who had resented them, was not hungry. I had never been hungry. I, too, had been given what I needed in order to live. Words of gratitude that I had mumbled many years at dinner tables came back to me in a rush. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who bringeth forth bread from the earth. For the first time I understood these words, not as an ancient formula, but as a blessing, the ability to grow and live despite the odds. Something that had squeezed my heart shut in bonds of anger and resentment released me. Over time, I began to wonder how many other ways my sense of isolation and separation was imposed, not by my disease, but by myself. Over time, I became completely free. Born and raised in New York City, I was 25 years old before I first met a cat. For the past many years, I have shared my home with a cat, and I'm a different person because of it. Orange, Smokey, Tiffany, Sholem Fievel, Charles, Putnam, Cashmere, Max, Arier, and Fancy, and Oscar. Each brought something and needed something from me that I did not possess. And in their presence, I grew large enough to provide it. Frequently, these things were higher human values, such as patience, compassion, kindness, unselfishness, respect, and forgiveness, and of course, gratitude. Gurdjieff, the philosopher and mystic, had this to say about our relationship to our pets. A pet is a little tuft of consciousness that circles a person like a moon around a planet and completes their energy field. In a more, more daily language, our pets teach us and heal us and enable us to become whole. So, gratitude, gratitude. I reclaim the ability to live, to work, to write books, to have cats, 
to be able to talk to people like you and listen to people like you. I reclaim the ability to become 86 years old. I had that ability, but I was not grateful for it because I didn't see it. (sighs) We all just need to take a deep breath after that. That's beautiful, Rachel. You know, I think gratitude is a practice. It's very easy to have a, a home and a life that's filled with things that actually you are grateful for, but you don't notice. And I don't know why of all the, I would call the spiritual qualities that human beings are are, um, capable of, why gratitude is such a difficult one for people. Why why the the things that would, would evoke it surround us every day. It's possible to have gratitude for those paper clips, you know? <laughs> and um, and not just that, but realize you also possess five hundred of them, right? Right. Um, right. And yet we are, are gratitude blind, and yet gratitude changes the experience of life more than any other of the the qualities that we would call spiritual qualities. Yeah. So, Karen, your thoughts? Well, I agree with everything you're saying, Rachel. And, you know, I think that it's so um, easy for us to go off track when we get triggered or whatever and to live in the complaint department and to live in a place of um, looking at what's not working. And it is that practice of, you know, one of the things that someone taught me years ago around meditation was they said, yes, it's great if you can get to that place of nirvana, you know, that you're just in that blitzed out place. But she said, you know, most of us, we sit down to meditate and your mind is going and you're thinking of your to-do list and all this stuff. And she said, the practice is simply coming back. You just keep coming back to center. You keep coming back with your breath. You just keep coming back and keep coming back. And I, I truly believe that that's the same quality with gratitude, that we forget And then we come back and we forget and we come back. And so I think the idea of just even listening to what you're saying, listening to how much you're complaining about something (laughs) as opposed to turning it around and saying, you know, I mean, even like today to be complaining about, oh, the power's off and what a pain this is. Well, I have to say, what a joy that I get to come out to Ken's house and see his lovely place and meet his wife and hang out with. I mean, it's a totally different experience. But the beginning part, I was complaining that I have to pack up all my equipment. and, and But it's like everything can be a gift. Everything. Can I read you a... Can I read you a little Zen parable that I found this morning? I love this. So this is this, is this little the thing I'll just read to you all. There lived a woman named Sono, whose devotion and purity of heart was respected far and wide. One day a fellow Buddhist, having made a long trip to see her, asked the big question, what can I do to put my heart at rest? Sono said, every morning and every evening, And whenever anything happens to you, you say, thank you for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. The man did as he was instructed by Sono for a whole year, but his heart was still not at peace. He returned to Sono crestfallen. 
I've said your prayer over and over, and yet nothing in my life has changed. I'm still the same selfish person that I was before. What do I do now? Sono immediately said, thank you for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. On hearing these words, the man was able to open his spiritual eye and see what she was really saying and returned home with great joy. You're listening to a TNS presentation with Rachel Naomi Remen and Karen Drucker. I love that because it's like, I think we can so easily go into complaining, but it's like, I have no complaints. As, as we were talking about earlier, Rachel, I have a roof over my head. I have electricity that turns on. I mean, I had, I had Roto-Rooter have to come out and redo our sewer lines. And to, to be grateful for the guys who are doing your sewer lines and grateful that there's a sewer, you know, we don't think about those things until they're not working. No. You know, our lives are filled with things, people, relationships, experiences that the only real response to these things would be gratitude. The natural response to these things would be gratitude. And we are gratitude blind. And I'd love to do just a very simple little exercise with people. Do you want to do the exercise or should I? Oh, yeah. No, we talked about I love these exercises. So, yeah, let's do it. So put down whatever you're holding and make yourself comfortable wherever you're sitting. If you're sitting or lying down, just make yourself perfectly comfortable and begin to follow your breathing. Notice your breath coming and going in you. Just notice the wisdom of your breath. We let go of what is old and used up and no longer supports our lives. Notice your out-breath. And we welcome what is new and fresh and life-affirming. Notice the courage with which we welcome the new, the life-affirming. And now, allow your eyes to open. Just look at what you see. And see if there's anything there that you're grateful for. I mean, right now, when I opened my eyes, I saw my pen. And I have many pens, and I have them in many rooms. (laughs) And um, what would it be like if there were no pens? And I have all these pens in all different colors. Allow myself to be grateful for the gift of pens. Just allow yourself to have them. We don't have the things that belong to us because we don't have gratitude for them. We don't realize what they add and that they've been given to us. And that other people may not have these things. Just look around and pick another and experience great gratitude for it. Here's my lamp. This is a really dark room and it's filled with this lovely light because of this lamp. 
And um, I haven't looked at this lamp since the moment I bought it and plugged it in. But it's been here nonetheless, casting this beautiful light over my work. It really is beautiful. It has a white glass shade and it's almost luminous. And I'm grateful that I have this lamp. Yeah, let yourself experience something you're grateful for and find another object or another thing or another person or one of your pets. I mean, it's hard to open your eyes and not find something you're grateful for, frankly, if you're really aware. And just be grateful for this other thing, this other thing that's part of your life that has added to your life, to your comfort, to your capacity to express yourself, to your sense of beauty. Experience that this is a gift. This is part of part of, of being you, and it's a gift. And receive it for what it is, a gift. And I want to suggest that you spend um, maybe five minutes twice a day just doing this, sitting back, following your breath, following your, your, your out-breath, letting go of what is old and used up, no longer supports your life, breathing in what is fresh and new, and life-giving, and then opening your eyes and seeing what is there that you are grateful for and experience being grateful for it. You can actually keep a little diary of it by just writing down the things that you see. And see how this changes your sense of your life, your mood, your sense of, it changes my sense of luckiness. It's amazing that you can be such a lucky person and not know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when you feel ready, just allow your eyes to open. If you've got some writing material near you, write down what you discovered about gratefulness and about what you have been blessed with. Take a moment. So amazing that uh, something so obvious could be invisible. <laughs> oh my goodness. And ask yourself, were you surprised? Were you surprised to find that something in your environment you were grateful for but hadn't realized it. And your surprise is such a, an experience of aliveness. The beautiful old saying, the voyage of discovery lies not in seeking new vistas, but in having new eyes. And developing your gratitude eyes can change your entire experience of your life. Take another minute or two. And if you have something you want to write down on our chat sheet, write it down. 
And Karen, any thoughts you have? <sighs> I just think that's a great exercise. I mean, really, to do that every every morning, you know, as you start your day, just take those breaths, then look around, oh, the sky, the this, the, anything, anything you see, just to be able to acknowledge it. You know, once again, going back to that idea of um, how you can have certain touchstones that can bring you back to gratitude. There were years ago, I um, I was in one of those dark nights of the soul, and I was really... Um, having a hard time. And I heard someone do a, a talk, a lecture about gratitude and how he was saying that he was in the hardest time of his life, that someone was, someone very close to him was about to, to die and he was, you know, in this turmoil, but at the same time looking for the blessings and seeing blessings all around in the midst of just this, this tragedy in his life. And I remember walking out of the auditorium and saying, I want to have something that brings me back to this memory, that whenever I am spinning out and I forget about gratitude or I don't see blessings, that I can have a song, I can have a chant that I can come back to. So I'm going to teach this all to you. It's a very simple little chant. I am so blessed, I'm so blessed, I'm so grateful for all that I have. I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. I mean, that's all it is, blessed and grateful. But just allow yourself to stay in that wonderful space that she just created. And I'll teach it to you. It just goes like this. I am so blessed. I am so blessed. I am so grateful for all that I have. I am so blessed, I am so blessed, I am so grateful, I am so blessed. That's the whole thing. I am so blessed, so blessed, I am so blessed, grateful, I am so grateful for all that I have. I am so blessed, so blessed. I am so grateful. I am so blessed. If you want to do the movements, they go like this. I am so blessed. Bring it in from one side. I am so blessed. You fill up your container. I am so grateful. Like this. With all the gratitude. That I have. Just think about what you're grateful for. Then I open up so your arms blessed. wide. I am so blessed. I am so blessed. You do a little namaste. I am so grateful. Then release, let it go. I am so blessed. If you want to do the most. I am so blessed. I am so blessed. I am so blessed. I am so grateful. I am so blessed. I 
am so blessed I am so grateful For all that I have I am so blessed I am so blessed I am so grateful I am so blessed I am so blessed I am so blessed so grateful for all that I have I am so blessed I am so blessed I am so grateful I am so blessed I am so grateful I am so blessed I am so grateful I think you're wonderful. <laughs> I think you're wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness me. <laughs> but you know, once again, that's what music I think can do for us when we forget. We can just put on a song in the morning and you know, if it's a song like this, just look around as the song is playing, sing with me or have another song that moves you, but just have it be that you take those take just those moments in the morning. What makes us so blessing blind? I mean, you know, when you choose to say, "Okay, <laughs> what what about this this house I'm in, this 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 life I'm in?" And you don't have to look very far. You just have to open your eyes. To find something that makes you feel lucky. That makes you feel that you have something that matters to you. And most of the time we go about looking for the things that aren't there. And it's true. Well, big. <laughs> and I think that's also one of the, the things of social media and looking at Facebook and seeing everybody else on vacation and looking like they're having the most delicious dinner and going, well, I want that. You know, and I think that that we all, I think that one of the things about gratitude, about this, this blindness that you're referring to, is I think we have to have boundaries, you know, boundaries around what we, uh, what we get hooked into. Because society, I think the media is always trying to sell us something. You're not good enough if you don't have this car or look this way or whatever. So I think we're set up in our society to, to be looking for what we're lacking, yeah, it's just such a funny thing. I was recently talking about gratitude to, to someone and how we're blind for it. And, and she said, oh, I don't know. I, I don't feel blind. I, I said, well, how about this car when you're driving? <laughs> what would your life be like if you didn't have a car? And you have a car. And it works. And we're driving out to have a, a very lovely lunch together. Right? which we wouldn't be able to do without the car. Right. Right. And um, not everybody has a car. Right? But we're, both of us have a car. And when's the last time you were grateful that you had a car? <laughs> she said, never. 
I said, me too. You take it for granted. I mean, when I get back from the, when I'm coming back from a trip and I go to my car that's been parked at the airport and it turns on, I'm like, thank you. You know, the battery wasn't dead. I mean, you know, those are the kinds of things that we just take for granted. Oh, it turns on. But those times when it didn't. You know, what is it? I think, to me, gratitude is one of the, the real, truly invisible experiences in life. And yet it's accessible to everybody. I mean, you can be grateful for the shoes you got on. You know, and and not not pushing it really that you know you could not have these shoes, right? You could not have any shoes, and yet you walk through life looking for you know something to feel good about, right? Well, I found I found this quote too. I'll share with you all. If you have food in your fridge, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, and some spare change, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million of millions of people who will not survive this week. If you have ever experienced the danger of battle, the agony of imprisonment, or the horrible pangs of starvation, you are luckier than 500 million people alive and suffering. And if you can read this message, you are more fortunate than the 3 billion people in the world who cannot read it all. I mean, that's, you know, that really says it. And it is, it's just, it is, it's, it's, it's coming back to what we talked about at the beginning. It's just that practice. And how can you do that practice every day? What about at the end of the day, Rachel? What is it, what, do you have any ideas of that, of, you know, what, what could you do at the end of the day of having a gratitude, a morning practice and an evening practice? I think, you know, it can be very simple. It can be just simply sitting down and saying, what am I grateful for? What do I have that I haven't even been aware that I have it, but I do have it, and uh, what am I grateful for? And, you know, every human being has an answer to that. I'm grateful for my next breath. I'm grateful to be one of the people who are at this moment not in pain. Yeah, and also, you know, to just even be grateful for the people that are in your life. You know, one of the things, one of the my favorite exercises in my women's retreats that I do is I have an exercise where I have everyone stand up <clears throat> and you find a partner and you have to go up to that person and say, the beauty I see in you is, or the thing I appreciate about you is. And, and then the person has to say, yes, I am. And just, you know, whatever they said, yes, I am. And it's so interesting because whenever I I start this process, you see everyone looking kind of nervous, like, really, what am I going to say to people? I don't know if I'm going to know what to say. But I watch their faces transform, Rachel. I mean, everybody, when you start to have people say, you know what I appreciate about you? And sometimes they're saying things that they had no idea that that's a quality that they have but they get it reflected back to them 
And I watch everybody's face just change and get so soft and sweet. It's one of, one of my favorite exercises. A wonderful exercise. You know, and think about, you know, how often do we say that? I mean, sometimes it's it can be uncomfortable. You have to be a little vulnerable to say that to someone because they might not respond in kind or be uncomfortable receiving it. But or even if you just think it, you know, just it's it's you get the experience of seeing, uh, of appreciating. And I think the more you appreciate, appreciation just keeps growing in your life. You just start to see it in everything. I think that this, these are true practices. They change your eyes. Mm. By changing your eyes, they change your entire experience about yourself and of life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got another song if you want to do another one before we finish up. This, as, as always, Rachel, this time with you goes by in a flash. <laughs> is, it time, is it time for us to go yet? It pretty much is. Yeah, yeah. we got about seven minutes. All six right. or seven minutes. So let me, let me sing. This is one of my favorite ones to do. And for those of you who have been sitting for a while, this is you get to get up and move a little bit on this one. But um, I'll teach it to you. It's just, this is based on a Navajo prayer that I read. I adapted it into music. Gratitude before me, behind me, and around me, all over the place. Gratitude before me, and gratitude behind me. Gratitude to the left of me, gratitude to the right of me, and gratitude above me, and gratitude below me, gratitude within me. Gratitude all around me And I say every day I'm so grateful Just that I'm so grateful 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 So here's the movement to it Behind. Gratitude behind. To the left. Gratitude to the left of me. To the right. Gratitude to the right of me. Above. Gratitude above me. Below. Gratitude below me. Within me. Gratitude within me. All around me. Gratitude all around me. And then you say, you open up your arms and say, I'm so grateful. Then you give it to yourself. I'm so grateful. And you give it to the people you love. Spread it out and release, let it go.
eyes for just a moment. Just think about right now. What are you grateful for? Just right now, in this moment. Your kitties, your doggies, all the people on this call. I'm grateful for Kira and Ken, all their help doing this. And Rachel, what are you grateful for? All right, let's sing it one more time. being with us that you're feeling some gratitude in your heart. I certainly am. A little and state change for me. May <laughs> this year be a year of Thanksgiving for you every single day. Yeah, that's what we talked about, that really every day should be, could be. <laughs> what, other, what other closing thoughts do you have, Rachel? Anything else? I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm so grateful. It's been truly a, a just a wonderful experience doing this with you yeah. every month. It's just, yeah. 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 So thank you. I, we are so grateful for you, Kira, and for Ken and all the support you've given us with doing these, these webinars. It's been really fabulous to work with you. I'm seeing little hearts coming up. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel and Karen, just right back at you. Just so grateful to have you with us and that we've been able to do this for so many months. Um, just a really wonderful series that has made a difference in definitely in my life. Uh, so thank you so much. If you want to rewatch or re-listen or if you want to share this recording with other people, we'll have the recordings produced. You can check any of our media sites, Facebook, SoundCloud, YouTube, any of them. In our part of the world, it's Thanksgiving. Gratitude for friends and family and all the feasting that we'll be doing. Thank you for being with us. And all of you have a wonderful late autumn. And just grateful for all of you. We'll see you next time, everybody. You've been listening to a TNS presentation with Rachel Naomi Remen and Karen Drucker. Thank you for listening to TNS, The New School at Commonweal. The New School at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. Our theme music was performed by Debbie Daly. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, and Amazon Music. Thanks for listening.
Water could feel my body.